This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where Billy and I take a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future relationship to it. Today's topic was motivation. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Okay, and welcome back. This is the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I am Adam Lustig. And we are doing another episode. We've had a couple of guests we the had past week. Dynamic guests, I'd I would say. I'd say so too. Super duper talented. It makes me feel ridiculously fortunate that we know such grotesquely talented people. We two episodes we had Mamrie Hart. Oh. She has since gone on to travel to France, come back <laughs> to America and host the Shorty Awards. That's right, which was in New York. She like bounces back and forth all the time between the major metropolises. Not bad. Not bad at all. No. She was outstanding. What a supreme, supreme talent. My mom is now a big fan of Mamrie It's Hart. hard not to be. Really, really hard not to be. She's a, she has a super duper overwhelmingly winning personality. Agreed. Yep. And then we had Utkarsh. We had mm. Utkarsh, our friend, who UTK. also had a very big week. His album came out, and now in just a few days, or when this podcast comes out, right around now, Barbershop will be in theaters. Barbershop number three, yes. And if you did listen last week, and even if you didn't, uh, we are trying to start a grassroots, groundswell social media campaign to get our very own Billy Scafuri in the inevitable next chapter of the Barbershop franchise. So get on your computer boxes and your phones. Hashtag Billy for Barbershop. Four. The two numerals four there in the hashtag. The hashtag might actually be better than the idea. <laughs> exactly. The idea is paper thin. Yeah. It's really just fun for us to say hashtag Billy, Billy four barbershop four. That's really the payoff. And of the look, hashtag. maybe I get a big role. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I become Nicki Minaj or Eve's love interest. Exactly. Maybe that happens. But I would also settle for just walking past the barbershop outside while a scene is happening and just winking to the camera. The a, wink. A little Easter egg for all the no-joke fans out there. Eggs for the three no-joke fans out there who also watch Barbershop. UTK's fans, you'll know. Bill, I love that you're aspired just to be the sort of nameless, faceless passerby who looks and winks. I just want to be – I just want this inside joke to come to fruition. <laughs> exactly. I think that it's shooting way too big to say, hey, fans of no-joke, get Billy on Barbershop. But I think it's realistic to say – couldn't we just sneak him on? Can you just sneak him on for a second? Everyone loves a little sneak. Please. Right. And Billy, you are so good. Throughout our 10 plus years of performing Harvard Sailing Team shows, and this is a true compliment that's going to sound like a backhanded one, one of the things that I find that you specifically excel at is being in the background, behind the action proper, doing the funniest thing back there. For the, for the two or three people who might be watching you back there, <laughs> you are always winking at them. Throughout the duration of our live sketch comedy shows, I feel like you have had the energy of being the guy in the background who winks at the camera. It's not a backhanded compliment. <laughs> it's a compliment when you call someone a human sneak attack. <laughs> exactly. That is kind of what you are. Billy Scafuri, human sneak attack. That's an amazing nickname. New business cards are already being Already printed. being made, yeah. Now, I just want to sort of travel a, a quick hypothetical. Would you rather be, if you had... The, your doldrums, Nicki Minaj's love interest or Eve's love interest? Eve. Whoa, that took you no time at all to respond. Eve is so awesome. <laughs> Tell, I mean, yes, absolutely. But like Nicki Minaj is alpha rapper, period. But Eve is like 90s secret style. Right. I guess I was falling in love with hip hop in the 90s. 
And there was the Foxy Browns. Yep. And there was the Lil' Kims. Definitely. And there was Rod Digga. Yep, yep. And there was even DeBrat. There was even DeBrat. Yeah. <laughs> and they were just almost like uninviting. They were so intense. Yeah. Lil' Kim was like so over-sexualized. Foxy Brown was so over-sexualized that when Eve came out, she was slick. Yeah. Short hair. <laughs> Three little paw prints yep. on her uh, tattoo on her breast. She could rap for days, and she is as beautiful now as she was, if not more, Truly. 10 years prior. Yeah, that's true. It's just Eve. We got a crush, man. We have a crush over here on No Joke. It's on true. Eve, we do. <laughs> it's true. We do have a crush on Eve. No, she is incredible. And you're so right about Lil' Kim and Foxy Brown. It's like, I get like, as like, but like, whoa, look at that. Like, what a body. I'm like super oversexed. But like, I don't know. I'm an, a very easily intimidatable 12-year-old. Yes. And like, your aggressive sexuality makes me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Lil' Kim's album was called Hardcore. <laughs> and Foxy Brown's was called Il Nana. Yeah. I'm a 12-year-old white kid from Rockville Center, Long Island. I don't know what to do with the Il Na Na, and I certainly don't know how to act hardcore. Hardcore at all. Yeah, I'm not sure if I want to even. But you cut to seven years later, and the Rough Riders come out. We're ready for it. And now Eve starts rapping. Yeah. Fine with it. So Eve was in the and forgive me, I I, I mean Billy, you're much more the hip hop expert, but Eve was folded into that DM the DMX Rough Riders. Yeah, she was a Rough Rider. Her Dragon. Yep. He came out with the song real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was awesome. Yeah, and continues to be. Yes. So, like we said, hashtag Billy4, Barbershop4, at the most, Eve's uh, boo. Mm-hmm. At the least, walks by the barbershop at the bacon, egg, and cheese, finds the camera, gives a wink. Human sneak sa- attack. Human sneak attack.com. Um, do you think that you and Nicki Minaj could hold <laughs> together a long-lasting relationship? And we- what problems do you think may arise? Uh, I, I think that we would be able to, I think that we could make a, we could make a good go of it, honestly. Um, I know that we're both like kind of theater. She's like a closeted theater dork. I know that she is. She like went to theater school, okay. maybe, I think, which is like why she loves doing all those accents. She like <gasps> loves doing that because she like fancies herself like a theater actress. So you guys would just be doing accents around the and apartment. We could Nikki over here, Adam Milov, and it would like be that kind of thing. Okay. Um, maybe we'd expand beyond Cockney, but like, that's one of the accents that I, that's one of the only ones that I do. So I might be trapped in there. Okay. Um, so I think that we could have a relationship that would last a couple of years. Um, I think her travel schedule would get in the way. Yep. (laughs) I think just practically speaking, her travel schedule would get in the way. Uh, I am a big cuddler and I need a lot of physical attention and just emotional closeness and I need to be around my partner a lot. Here's a question. Yep. You're cuddling with Nicki Minaj. Who's the big spoon? (laughs) Well, I think in that case... (laughs) I have, I'm, I'm of warring minds here about that because she's a, she's a petite young lass. So Nicki Minaj is petite. I think she's only. I mean, when I sort of see her in fully standing, fully, I feel like she's like five two, five three. Okay, so, uh, that's my intuition. I could be way wrong. Okay, I'm five ten. I'm a bigger human male. So uh, the instinct would be that I would be big spoon comforting her. I However, see. she got that ass. She got that ass. So like, just from a physical geometric standpoint, if I'm big spooning from behind her i don't really even know i mean that's putting a healthy distance between us just uh by virtue of the circumference of that a so you might have to be small spoon because of that so like just from that perspective because she has as implants mm. so like she works at it and she watch almost like she's trying to put a distance between her and me nikki why it seems like that would be a bigger obstacle than her travel schedule yeah frankly <laughs> Dada? Dada. <laughs> yeah, it might be. It might be, yeah. But I would never get to see Dada because she's always constantly traveling about the world and she has a Mamrie Hart-esque travel schedule. Right. So it's like, 
it would be hard for me to pin her down. But did, would we have something to talk about? Yeah. Well, just know that when she's on the road, you are always welcome to hang out with Eve and I. Thank you, Billy. <laughs> Thank you, guys. You guys are my favorite fake couple. No, no question. Easily my favorite fake couple. Um, new episode. Mm-hmm. Every episode's got a topic. Yep. We like to explore our past, our current, and our future histories with that topic. And today's episode, we are going to play with the topic of motivation. Motivation. What motivates us? Mm -hmm. Um, First act. Yeah. When you were a kid. Yeah. Was there things you aspired towards? Was there certain things that motivated you to want to get somewhere, to earn something? Was it a girl or an item? Mm, Girls and items weren't then and continue not to be of my highest priorities. (laughs) 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 And that is the No Joke Podcast. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) Um, But I mean, like, so, so, I mean, from a girl's standpoint, I mean, a little bit. I mean, we talked, again, a couple episodes ago about wanting to go out and get cologne and sort of like get get our scent game up to par to impress the Tammy Jacobses and the Leora Hessings. These are all real names from Hebrew Academy. Sure. Sort of like really go out there so there was i suppose motivation of like getting attraction from friends and the fairer sex was definitely i think maybe playing subconsciously in my clothes choices once again in my fragrance choices general acceptance general acceptance all motivation at a young age led towards just accept me yeah right at a super duper young age i would say that the only thing that drove me and the thing that still continues to drive me as farcical as it is is to make the nba Okay. And it's to become a professional basketball player. Was there a time in your life where you actually believed you could? Yeah, Billy. I still a little bit actually believe I can. Is that true? (laughs) I mean, like, not really. I'll never one hundred. I'll never consider it a one hundred percent non-option. Uh huh. I will always leave that tiny little caveat of just like maybe there's a way if like the entire Grizzlies like team plane goes down, like right. some freak thing happens, I could strap on a jersey and like lace it up for the Celtics one day. Of course, I don't think I couldn't because you fit in clothes. I fit in That's clothes. That's why you could hypothetically. Beyond this team. I can lace up my own sneakers. I have been since I was 21. Thank you. Right. So, like, that's fine. Um, but that was what motivated me. So, I was out in the play, in my driveway and going to the playground and playing basketball Same. very, very sincerely and authentically. I know you were. Yeah. Um, with the authentic intent to make the NBA and challenge Michael Jordan for alpha status. Let's so, that talk was my about, motivation. Let's talk about him. Okay, great. Let's talk about Mr. Michael Jordan. Because I feel like he was one of your greatest sources of motivation. I'd say up until about, like, 16, Yes. I was a huge Chicago Bulls fan growing up while living in New York. Much like 80% of the country, we rooted for this thing called Michael Jordan. This entity. And you were anti-Jordan. Yeah, big Nick fan, still am. So right. Michael Jordan was literally poison. See, I rooted for him yeah. because he was the best. Yeah. And as a young kid, all I wanted to do was to either be the best or be a part of the best or to feel success. And the easiest and smartest move for me at that age was to just root for the guy who did it all the time already he made me feel good he made me a six-time champion by association just simply by association (laughs) but with every action there's a reaction right and up in voorheesville yep (laughs) my joy was your deep deep pain (laughs) deep deep anguish and pain uh, my younger brother, Jake, um, to whom we've referenced on this podcast, he is also a big Chicago Bulls fan and Michael Jordan fan for the exact same reasons that you were, because it's hard not to be attracted to objective greatness. Yes. It's hard not to be – that has a magnetic effect on people. Michael Jordan literally never lost. So, <laughs> so like, that is hard not to root for or be attracted to or like. Was there a specific game where you punched your brother? 
No, I didn't punch. No, I would never do that. I would. I did not punch my brother. Um, I my father did have to sort of out of just respect for decorum had to separate us during the Bulls Knicks playoff series where my brother would have to watch the games up in my parents' room and I would get the TV downstairs only because I would just be without punch. I was meaner than punching. It was like verbal antagonizing and just like emotional attacking and constantly criticizing him and haranguing him for why he could like Michael Jordan mm. and why he would or how dare he have this rooting interest. It, so it was more emotional abuse. I see. If yeah. the Knicks had won those six champions, <clears throat> Nick, uh, six championships those years, <laughs> do you think that your personality would be different (laughs) then and today. Do you think that you would have just simply more bravado and you would just carry yourself more like an inherent champion? You know what, Billy? I I haven't thought about it in those terms, but yeah. Right? (laughs) Uh, Yes. There was a four-year stretch where the Buffalo Bills lost the Super Bowl every single year. (laughs) It was almost awesome. They made it to the Super Bowl and lost four times in a row. By like greater and greater margins. And I'm not saying I've never lived in Buffalo, so I don't know, but I can only assume that you start to develop a, we're cursed, we're losers, this is just what we will always be associated by because of that. How does it not affect your psyche and your self-esteem and the way that you see yourself? So, for motivation, I would turn on the Chicago Bulls and watch them spank your New York Knicks <laughs> by 30 and then leave my house and be like, well, I already won my game today. Everything else is great. I just love the term inherent champion. Like, you felt like an inherent champion. Of course. I was. <laughs> How could you <laughs> I was wearing Michael Jordan's jersey at the same time he was wearing his jersey. We're the same. He shot it, but like we shot it <laughs> did you ever get any resistance from any like i'm sure a lot of your friends were nick fans or jordan all. haters even all of course yes didn't care didn't care literally bounced off me i was winning all the games you had the heart of a champion when you're winning everyone complains about you that's true and that's fine because you're winning that's true i think about that when i was and obviously it's no surprise billy and i are clearly both huge basketball and sports fans and i was paying 75 percent attention to the women's college basketball tournament this year and there's just like pseudo controversy over how good the connecticut women are right and how they beat their they like are peerless and literally have no rival and like is that actually counterintuitively bad for women's basketball Basketball for like this team to be so great right. and so Jordan-esque <clears throat> that it like liter- they are literally peerless. And it's not even fun like Bulls Knicks where it's like close and Jordan has like the Knicks to deal with and Carmelo. It's like these UConn ladies. It's just the dream have- team. Yeah. Every year every in year. women's college basketball. Yeah, every game. And so you wonder at that level, what could motivate like what do those women use for motivation? It's like they're winning every game by 60 points. It is literally a foregone conclusion right. that they're going to win the title. When they interviewed um, Brianna Stewart, I think her name was, which is like their star after the semifinal before the national final, she was totally Totally joylessly, they were like, so what do you think about the final coming up? And without any without any mirth and with no joy, she was like, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good game. Uh, we're going to go out there and uh, probably win. Yep. <laughs> and it was like, so? <laughs> Matter? And then they won by 46 or something. The line was like 30. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, how did, how did those, I wonder how those athletes and Michael well, Jordan find, I wonder how the greats motivate themselves, I guess, is what I'm wondering. Okay. Um, this might sound wrong, but because you just said the greats, and now I'm about to talk about something we've worked on. <laughs> yeah, please. But I think that Harvard Sailing Team was once in a place like that mm-hmm. um, when we were touring and working a lot on our live show. And at some point, we knew that these sketches were locked in, and we knew exactly how this was going to play out, and we knew that the show was dialed in. Yep. So then we started focusing on all of the tiny little details mm-hmm. around it, mm-hmm. and that's what motivated us. Mm. When the lights were out, how fast were we going to switch the stage mm-hmm. out? When we were in rehearsal, how precisely were we going to rehearse? When you 
you just know that the product is already good, the motivation then is just the thing surrounding it to just make the whole process good too. Kind of fine tuning it to perfection. Yeah. I would not consider myself a perfection. I think that's another big part of like motiv- what motivates people. I just want to get perfect. You said like what motivated me to be great or goals. Right. I have never, again, like been a super goal-oriented person, much less so than you, I think. Right. And I admire that about you. Do you consider yourself a per- like someone who cares about things being perfect? Yes, I do. I do like things to be perfect. I like control. I like editing. I like writing and then editing the films or short films or sketches that we write. I like control. And that leads to perfection. Yeah. But let's segue to a song that is maybe the opposite of perfection. (laughs) It's perfect for some reasons and so ridiculous for others. Perfectly imperfect. Please enjoy Snake's Monkey Face. Oh, God. Hey, everybody. Come on, do a dance. It's called the Monkey Face. You can do it. Just grab the ease. Puff your cheeks. Now spin around. You just got your monkey face on. Monkey to the left. Monkey to the right. Monkey hop, monkey hop. Now stop. You just got your monkey face on. legs do a step grab your ears puff your cheeks you just got your monkey face on now sound the alarm Monkeys make noise Louder, louder Monkeys, monkeys Now grab your ears, puff your cheeks You just got your monkey face on Hey everybody I knew you could do it And you did it Monkey face. Welcome back to No Joke. That was our song Monkey Face, which is, I would say, I don't know, maybe 99% inspired by the uh, cha-cha. Yeah. The cha- I, I don't know how, what, what the, the official, cha-cha slide. The cha-cha slide. Right. Which we know from Mets games and baseball stadiums across the country. Um, and you may know from bar mitzvahs or weddings. We, when we set out to make that song... And that sounds very serious. When we set out to make Monkey Face. That track, yes. We didn't want to make a song. We wanted to make a anthem. An experience, you yes. could say. Yeah. Something that three-year-olds and 303-year-olds could all do on the dance floor together. Exactly. Grab your ears, puff your cheeks. You just got your monkey face on. Slap your legs, do a step. You just got your monkey face on. We don't ask much, and that's more catered for the 303-year-olds. We know that you don't have many steps, and you just do ass step. Oh, man, that song is really great. Little peek behind the curtain. Yeah. We insert the songs into the podcast in post. Right. 
we segue into them. That was the first time in recording maybe 13 or 14 episodes that we said, we should probably just listen just to this listen song to again. Monkey Face real quick. Really worth it. Oh, boy. My ribs are tickled. If you want to download Monkey Face, you can go to snakesmusic.bandcamp.com. Four albums, all there for your free or donatable consumption. Yeah, consider a donation. Now, Billy, before we broke, we were talking about perfectionism. And I do just want to kind of circle back because I do think that's sort of interesting, which is that I think this is one of the – we're alike in so many ways, you and I, obviously. But this, I do think, is one of the core personality differences between us, which I think is what makes us a good duo, which is that I do think you are far more attention to detail, motivated by getting things exactly right. Thank God you are. Um, where I, whether it's a defense mechanism or whether it's laziness or whether it's ADHD, I am much more motivated by the imperfection of things and kind of the more rough or tossed off or yeah, imperfect, I guess, would yeah. be a good way to say it. That And not even that it motivates me, but I think I'm far more, okay, and putting this in quotes, okay with things being sort of messier or scrublier or not so perfect, drawing outside the lines a little bit. And I think that makes for a good tandem yeah. or a good duo because <laughs> yeah. in so many times there have been projects where it's like, ah, I don't know. I can't really see how it would play out in yeah. advance. And you just take my hand and pull me in anyway. Yeah. You know, and that's really what you need because – we like we've talked about before. You don't need the yin yin, right? And you've already mentioned the yang yang twins. <laughs> you've mentioned them, <laughs> and <clears throat> you know. I guess that my attention to detail and that does motivate me um, still to this day. Yeah. About you know we've been doing comedy for ten years. We've been writing for ten years, and you constantly want to be getting better at whatever form you're working. Right, that's on. true. And you learn what other people are doing around you. You learn what you've done in the past and you constantly use those things to say, well, I've made some mistakes mm -hmm. or there are places to improve. And the next project I work on, I don't want to say, well, I made those same mistakes again mm -hmm. or I need to improve on those same things. Mm -hmm. I would rather target those things and say that moving forward, that won't be a problem at all. Yeah. And that's ambitious as a writer because so much of it comes with creativity and right. all these other aspects. But there is that just general formatting and storytelling rules, at least in the commercial writing world, right. when it comes to like television and stuff like that, right. where there are certain rules that you do need to follow. And I just hold myself to a, a higher and higher standard the older I get, because you want to put out good work and you yeah. want to feel proud reading back your script saying, I nailed it. Definitely. I gave it all the time it needed. Yep. And that perfectionism drives me. Yeah. I, I mean, just hearing you talk about that, it's like I am not proud of this impulse of mine, but it's – I mentioned the defense mechanism, but it's all, it is kind of a defense mechanism being like I can always hide behind the sort of excuse of like, well, I wasn't really – I didn't really give it my all. Well, uh, I wasn't really – I didn't really try that hard. I just sort of – it was just sort of kind of off the cuff. And I can – and while that is cool in some arenas of life to like live life off the cuff, in other ways, it does become a safety blanket or an – excuse is a harsh word to myself, but you know what I'm a justification for, you know, maybe a sloppy product. It's like, well, that wasn't, but the effort was so, so, you know what I mean? And I think that that well, is are you that aware of, I mean, do you have your own idea of what, uh, good is to you or what a finished product should look like? That's a great question. I, I, because if you do, and you actively stop two or three steps ahead of it because you almost don't want to get there. there that's a conversation worth having. That's well. self-sabotage, yeah. And, that, and when you put it like that, that's not me. That's not me. I guess it's weird because when you say that, with I suppose writing is a little bit different because there is this physical tangible thing on the page that is the product, that is like the result of your efforts that you can like very empirically and categorically judge and see and fix. Right. When like acty, performy stuff – 
it's so much more ephemeral, obviously. Right. It's like, when is it good or not? And in my, the only way, and I'm just, this is sort of occurring to me, the way that I sort of judge it is how unselfconscious I was able to be and how much I was unaware of it while it Precisely. was Precisely. I feel like that is a huge asset to have in when talking about acting. Right. Whereas that can be a, because I feel like you do need to just kind of like let go of everything when you're performing. Kinda. And you kind of le- need to live in the moment right here, right now. Ideally, I think. Whereas with writing, there is nothing but second and third drafts. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it's just how, if I'm a, I, I do kind of see myself more as a long-term thinker mm. than you, where you, you are really great to operate quickly and to like really do great stuff here now and mm-hmm. just leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas I'm good at kind of maybe seeing a few weeks, years down the road. For I'm talking about in projects that we work with. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. You hear that, Eve? He's a long-term thinker. He's a long-term planner. It's like he's not going to just like let you twisting in the wind. Right. He cares about long-term projects, seeing them through and nurturing relationships. The episode is about motivation. Right. <laughs> and we have really great support on the itunes page yeah we've had really great people who are tweeting at us and letting us know that they're still listening and that really truly goes a very long way for you and i it motivates us we owe them something i think we do we've been told that we are listened to when people go on walks when they're at the gym that's pleasant when they're commuting to work first things first let us know where you're listening to the no joke podcast It's incredibly interesting to us. It's really weirdly fun for us to visualize exactly, exactly when and where you are when you're listening to Monkey Face and these other nonsense songs and words that we're saying. Yes. You know where we are. We're in this sweet-ass living room surrounded by sweatshirts and bottles of bourbon. I'm wearing pants that I haven't washed for days. Billy looks good in jeans and a black tee. That's where we're at. We just need to know where you're at when you're listening to us. But we have found out a few places where you're at, and we want to motivate you. Yeah. So throughout the next two acts, we are going to just sprinkle in little moments of motivation. Mm -hmm. Adam, people are commuting to work right now. Yeah. Some of them don't want to go to work right now. Do you want to just get them through the next 30 seconds and let them know that they got it? Listen, folks, I know you don't want to go into work right now. Work is like, ugh, it's like America. What do we have to work every day? In Europe, they get siestas. I know that. But you know what? In Europe, here's what they don't have. The (laughs) The red... The white and, and the, the blue. blue. Okay, you're except if you're France, they have red, white, and blue for sure, but not in a different <laughs> configuration. But here's the thing: you're going to work right now. You're going to have a great day. Yeah. Look forward to 1 p.m. because around then is going to be lunch. You're going to get to go into the fridge. Yes. Take out the egg salad that your spouse made for you. Maybe that's a little reductive. Maybe you made it for yourself. If so, congrats. That's already a great thing you've done today. You made yourself a sandwich. Way to go. Go and get that sandwich. Take it out. Unfold it with with care, with love. Don't just tear through the plastic like a kid on Christmas morning. Treat it with care. Open up the lunch that you or your spouse or you or a combo of the two of you have prepared for you. Eat it with pleasure. Eat it slowly. Enjoy it. Relax. This is your time. This is your life. You got this. That was equal parts motivation and instructions on how to eat lunch. (laughs) With a sandwich. (laughs) So many times, Adam, when you and I say, let's just try something, it goes to egg salad. I can't explain why. (laughs) This is not a joke. The only thing we know about is sandwich. That's it. (laughs) Egg salad. If you read... The 30s and 40s of scripts that Adam would contribute to Harvard Sailing Team rehearsals, and there would always just be egg salad somewhere. Okay. Well, I hope that motivated you to stick with your commute. Yes, exactly. (laughs) To work. Exactly. Um, Oh, my God, Billy. Second act of the podcast, what currently motivates us? Adam, I currently weigh 182 pounds. Holy crap. 
I want to be 195 pounds. Wow. Yes. 13 pounds. You want to pack on 13 pounds. I want to gain 13 pounds of muscle. Why one, Why is that your goal weight and how are you going to get there? I'll start with the first question. Okay, great. <laughs> it's my goal weight because I want to be really, really strong. Sweet. And I'll tell you why I want to be really, really strong. Mm-hmm. Because I want to compete for American Ninja Warrior. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a second. Is this, a, is this sincere? I think... <laughs> I legitimately have what it takes. <laughs> Not kidding. No doubt that you do, my man. So, I just didn't know that you harbored um, fan, harbored motivations of being on American Ninja Warrior. Much like other people, I watched clips online. Sure. <laughs> and I said, yo, I can do that. It's really, really hard. It looks hard as hell, man. That's what I'm like. I'm, I, I'm supportive and I absolutely think that you could do it but that last incline thing so for those of you at home for those of you at home american ninja warrior is basically a 10 minute obstacle course that no one can finish seriously few have and they became instant american ninja warriors one was like an olympic gymnast or something yes yeah (laughs) a very small but compact and powerful woman yes um i think i have what it takes not 182 pound billy 195 are you worried and again i asked this out of ignorance i've only seen the same maybe half of the clips that you have seen um but are you worried that when we talk about the prototype for winning as a small compact female gymnast you're almost the opposite of all of those things do you wonder that do you are you concerned that bulking up is actually counterintuitive to winning american ninja war you want to put on mass not get sort of more live i want to put on the weight because i'm i need motivation going into it (laughs) yeah i need to know that i can do things that aren't easy for me. Gaining weight is quite hard for me. Mm-hmm. I know that's a rare and kind of lame complaint to have, but I've just never been able to really put on weight unless I eat a lot and work out a lot. A lot. So now I'm trying to eat 182 grams of protein every single day. What does that look like to, to someone who has no idea what the hell that means? I like, believe what does one that egg is six grams of protein. And six? I, and I want 182 every day. 30 eggs? I don't go eggs. That's too light. I, I drink massive protein shakes that give me 50 grams of protein Holy crap. a shot. Holy crap. And this is all to become American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> Can't you imagine three years from now when we're just talking about 2016, we're like, what happened in 2016? It would be like, oh my God, that was the year Billy won American Ninja Warrior. Because he decided it would be so. So support me oh, in Billy. this journey. Hashtag Billy for American Ninja Warrior four. It's possible. It definitely is possible. I mean, you got, you have what it takes for sure. I did twenty seven pull ups. Um, the day that I figured out I want to be the American Ninja Warrior. That's a crap ton. And I looked up the average, like, um, what was it? It was someone for my body size and weight. How yeah. many you should be able to do? Yeah. And it was only nine. Yeah, Billy. I mean, like, you are super fit. Um, what what are the is it just the one obstacle course is that the entirety of the challenge yes. that is it yes I think that if you uh, conquer the first one you are then invited to maybe an even larger and more impossible obstacle course so the show is like, entirely all upper body strength right some running up crazy things but so hence why you want to put on the muscle because it is sort of a strength I mean like at the at the end of the day it's really about strength I think so it, there's like. Not like a ring situation, but sort oh, of like... Oh, I think there's rings. Yeah. There's pull-up bars that you have to dislodge and actually throw up to the next pull-up bar. There's wow. all sorts of fun things. And you do all this kind of stuff. I mean, like you rock climb and you weightlift and you play basketball. So you do have all the skills of both strength, power, and agility, no doubt. To be a ninja. No doubt, dude. Um, but 
do you have any martial martial arts? Why is it a ninja warrior? Are there any sort you know of why? What, what's the ninja flavor? The red, white, and blue loves the word ninja. <laughs> it's as simple as that. America loves the idea of a ninja. If it was called America's coolest gymnast, nope. The ratings are through the floor. Probably. A, it's not making it to television. Yeah. B, Billy doesn't say I'm going to be America's great gymnast. Bill's not doing 27 push-ups motivated by that BS. But you call it America Ninja Warrior. Oh, hello. Bill's interested. <laughs> Bill's putting on 13. <laughs> like, uh, that's a, Well, I support you fully. How can I How can I help? Can we, I mean, like, is there beyond just getting your body in shape, is there anywhere in the world that you can, like, practice an obstacle course of that nature? Like, where you can, like, train? No. 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 <laughs> it's purely mental. And that's why I need your help and I need the fans of No Joke to offer me the support in my time of need to let me know that I can be their ninja warrior. Gang, this motivation thing, it goes both ways. We motivate you to eat your egg salad sandwich at the right time <clears throat> and with the proper amount of propriety for an office environment. You motivate us to get Billy on America. What is it? <laughs> ninja warrior. <laughs> American ninja warrior. I was so motivated until I realized that you didn't know the name of the show and the title that I wanted to receive. It's American Ninja Warrior. Ad. I apologize. I apologize. Oh, man, that's funny. Let's well, Billy, I support you. I support you full, full force with all of my heart. Thank you. I feel motivated. You're welcome. We'll move on to our second song. It's by a wonderful man. My American Ninja Warrior. Frank Scafuri. My father. <laughs> An incredibly talented musician. Super. An incredibly funny human being. Truly. He retired and decided to make web videos, and they are entirely worth a watch. Absolutely. It's called Frank's Waiting on YouTube. And he also has albums for download. I mean, he is my dad. Yeah. I am his son. Please enjoy How Could Red Riding Hood by Frank Scafuri. <laughs> When we were young but old enough for us to understand We all believed in fairies and the folks in fairyland But the modern child's been running wild and wants to know too much They never understood about Red Riding Hood How could Red Riding Hood have been so very good And still keep the wolf from the door? Father and mother, she had none So where in the world did the money come from? Please let me ask it, who filled her basket? The storybooks never tell They say that she had a head full of curls She was the nicest of all other girls But you know and I know what girls do for pearls How could Red Riding Hood have been so very good and still keep the wolf from the door. They've read of Cinderella and of Goldilocks and such. Some stories tell them oodles and some don't tell too much. But they'll never know it was long ago that all this came about. They still can get the goods on modern riding hoods. How could Red Riding Hood have been so very good and still keep the wolf from the door? Father and mother, she had none. So where in the world did the money come from? Please let me ask it, who filled her basket? The storybooks never tell. They say that she was a maid most discreet. And there is no doubt 
she must have been sweet But you know and I know that sweet girls must eat How could Red Riding Hood have been so very good And still keep the wolf And still keep the wolf from the door Okay, that was How Could Red Riding Hood by my father, the wonderful Frank Scafuri. Supremely talented Frank. And, and to uh, reiterate one more time, you can check out all of his stuff by searching Frank Scafuri on YouTube. Mm-hmm. How would do you, do you think he would feel about your American Ninja Warrior um, My dad is so supportive. Yeah. My dad is oh, yeah. nothing but supportive. Truly. I told him that I wanted to be a rapper one day, and he was all for it. Oh, God. God I told him him. that I wanted to play rugby one day. He was all for it. I told him that I wanted to move to Los Angeles and make a big risk. He completely supported it. I had massive tax problems. He supported it. Any life choice at all that he has provided the least amount of resistance to whatsoever? Say again? <laughs> have there been any life? I mean, you're saying that he's been so supportive of all these life choices. Has there never been a point of impasse where he's been like, Billy? Were it like, <laughs> Not really. Yeah. No, I don't think so. And I think that comes from a curious mind. Yeah. I think that it's probably really exciting for a parent to see what things come out of their kid's mouth (laughs) and learn about that. Yeah. My parents aren't – they don't say no and they don't say stop. Mm. You know, they always keep the door open and they always try and explore, well, why are you doing it? Is it exciting to you? And then they would just say keep doing it. God. And What's better than that? It goes back to your parents on the parenting episode that we did. They talked about it too where it was just – and support your kids as much as they want to be supported yeah. and then let them go. Yep. And they're just phenomenal parents yeah. when it comes to things like that. And it sounds like it sounds e- it like it doesn't sound easy I should say. It sounds like a difficult thing to do to sort of let your just sort of like let go of yes. control like you're saying right. and like, you know, because people do ultimately I feel like a lot of people do want control over their lives and want to limit risk and limit uncertainty. I've thought about control a lot. Yeah. And I've realized that, and I think this is a Buddhist philosophy as well, that at the heart of most anxiety is a lack of control. Yeah. All we want in this world is more control. If our career isn't going well, we wish we had more control over that. If our relationships aren't going well, we can't find someone to love, we wish we had more control over that. Yeah. And anxiety always boils down to a lack of control. I think, yeah, I think that sounds reasonable. So to allow your kids to just do these things must be yeah i mean this is coming from two guys who don't have children that's but, right but can relate i yeah. mean can at least we can imagine what that sort of empathy is like and uh, the terror and joy and titillation and horror of allowing your children out into the world and see what becomes of it yeah yeah i mean it speaks to my and again not to get too sort of schmaltzy or whatever but in terms of what motivates me in my life now as a 32 year old adult human moving forward in my life is like it uh, is that is i am I am um, eagerly anticipating the opportunity to watch my children grow up and give them away to the world. Right. And that is something that really, truly, truly deeply motivates me is to get to a place with this weird life that we're living and career and yada, yada. But to get to a place where like I, we can have kids. Yeah. Like have, have of course. Kids. I mean, that's like the I agree. primary I, and motivation. I, I don't disagree at all. And yeah. I, I feel the same way because yeah. at some point we – we start to really take stock of who we are, yeah. what we know, and what we can contribute to this world. Right. And it's great to do it with your friends, but then there's something really exciting about knowing that I like who I am, yeah. or I like what I can bring to this world, and I want to share that directly with someone 
associated with me. Yeah. And look, that terrifies me because like my tax paperwork is strewn about the floor of my bedroom. Mm. And it's like, do I feel like I'm in a position of like practical maturity to like bring a child into this world? Like not quite. Right. Nearly there. Like I'm emotionally ready. Like it's what I want in my loins and in my heart. Like I want a Huge first step though. Big first step. But like, I got to get my my life right. <laughs> it also feels like a little bit like I got We got to get out. Like I got to get my 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 taxes done <laughs> before I have a kid or something. You know. So it's there's two. But it that. But now that we, I mean, we're talking about motivation. Honestly, the motivation, what motivates me to get my taxes done, is like I need to be a d- dad. I need to be like dad worthy. Yeah. You know what I mean, like equipped. I need to be equipped to be a dad. Dude, you know, I think that's very. I agree. It's like when I learn how to fix this car. Like every time I have a problem with my car. It's I need to know these things because my dad knew for the most part how to fix these things. And I became a person I'm proud of because of that. So I can't just keep floating around (laughs) just kind of getting away with this like shady tax situation over here and something over here. I need to be a man. I can't believe you can fix your own car, Billy. I am jealous. (laughs) It's like 30% of our episodes have touched on at some point me saying I once fixed my car and you saying I am jealous. Oh my god. It's within your control. No. It's just like the scripts where at some point you just say, eh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Exactly. You can take the next step. You're right. You know? You're right. I've ceded control over like my automobile and just like assumed that I'll never understand how it works and therefore if it breaks, I'll just get a new one. Right. (laughs) Which is another way of going about your life. Yeah, I know, but yeah, I envy you in that way. You and I are both basketball coaches in the women's recreational league. That's right. In fact, my voice, this is gonna sound sad, my voice has a little hoarse only because I was yelling so much at our last game. Really? I was yelling things like, D fads, come on, Ingrid, hustle back. Okay. Things like that. (laughs) Ingrid is not going to like that you just said that she's been lazy on her transition first one that came to mind ingrid love you go number 99 got it um you guys practice as well we practice yep once a week we get some practice done uh shout out your team name real quick no new friends okay the funnier die squad we got a game yep yep uh and and your team is the lisa franks the lisa franks heck yeah we have our first game of the season tonight i have enjoyed coaching more than i really knew i was going to enjoy too william i love basketball and i didn't know that i would love teaching basketball and that's great teaching is wonderful but motivating and getting people past what they think they're capable of wow. is a newfound love of mine yeah i mean like you have you really take it personally in the best way when oh. some of that you are tutoring sort of finally makes a breakthrough in their education of some, something even as simple as basketball agreed yeah there's something just so wonderful when i meet my team last year and recognize that everyone, a lot of people are apprehensive to just take a jump shot. Right. <laughs> a lot of people are apprehensive to just make a decisive move. And now I've been coaching them for 12 months and the team has, they're so confident <laughs> now and they play with such joy for the game and just checking in with who they were last year versus who they are this year. That is the greatest motivation for me to know that affecting change in other people, positive change and confidence, imbuing people with confidence that's better than doing it to yourself. That's really, really good, Bill. Yeah. You want to just drop in here really quick and just offer some of that motivation to one of our listeners, maybe, who may be listening to our podcast and who needs a little juice to get through the rest of the day? Listen, I get it. You're going for a jog right now. Yeah. And jogs aren't fun. You could be home. You could be relaxing. But you said, I want to sweat today. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Soon that first drop of sweat's going to come. Mm. And where one swap, one drop of sweat comes, many follow. Mm-hmm. You're going to be drenched <laughs> and you're going to feel good. And you know what? You get home, you're going to be allowed to do whatever you want for the rest of the night. Mm -hmm. You want ice cream? Hey, you had sweat today. 
You want to stay up late? You sweat today. You want to cheat on your husband? You sweat today. Don't do the last Don't one. Don't do the last one. That might be crossing the line a little bit. But, but you're jogging right now. Yep. And you're going to jog faster. And you're going to jog harder. And you're going to go uphill. And when you go downhill, you're going to be very careful because you could slip. <laughs> but when you get home, you have that second scoop of ice cream because you jogged today. You earned it. Stay motivated. Hashtag you jog today. You sweat. <laughs> Unbelievable. Thanks, Bill. That was great. And it's no surprise as to why these women are motivated under your tutelage because you are authentic. You are straightforward. You are enthusiastic and exuberant. And you know what you're... When it comes to basketball, here's the thing. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, so I, I'm not surprised it, and I'm grateful that you are having this positive experience coaching this team. To their credit, yeah. they constantly motivate me too. How so? Well, they weren't necessarily – not a lot of them played basketball right. previously. Right. The women are about 24 to 34. And it was – really a lot of it was just are they going to enjoy the game? Right. And not only did they enjoy the game, but they showed such commitment to wanting to get better and coming to every, we had the best attendance in the league. It was like astounding. We had 14 players every single week. That's amazing. Everybody wanted to get better. Fantastic. Everyone understood the value of a team mm -hmm. and it just kept hardening and congealing and becoming this better and better and stronger group to the point now where everyone has each other's back, yeah. mine included. They have mine. I have theirs. And what, what's better than that? The a less real team. The lessons that you learn in sports can be so universally applicable, it's almost scary it's how, a, I, how much it mirrors life in general. When we are out there playing pickup basketball, and I think about the motion of the people and the sort of group think and the collective consciousness of a team of basketball players, that to me is like just mirrors exactly – the creative process and just like the life process, you have to like know when to shoot and know when to pass and, spa and space – give literally give people their space mm -hmm. to be themselves yeah. <laughs> and to take the ball to the rim. You know? And, and it's like those things make sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Just always trying to get better. Yeah. Constantly working to get better. Yeah, because you have been on, on so many sports teams throughout your life and you have been – have you had great coaches that you feel like have really motivated you? I've had great coaches and I've had a few bad ones. Yeah. And you almost learn more from the bad ones. Oh, that's interesting. Well, learn from a coach's perspective how valuable a good coach can be and how disposable a bad coach can be. Fascinating. I've been on teams that have – the coach has lost us and we've checked out. Yep. We didn't want to play for him. We yep. didn't want to play for one another. And that was the and, – and that makes you recognize and appreciate a good team yeah. so much more. Yeah. Nothing is more rewarding to me than a good team. I know. I love having a small, strong team that's capable of anything. Dude, you got me fired up right now. You got to go into war with that mentality. My God, I've never wanted to go into war before, but I feel like I want to go into war now. I'm saying. <laughs> this is the motivation episode. Yeah, man. Dude. Or I, I should say, that was the motivation episode. It's over already. Like that, dude. Man. Yeah. Well, that was a great one, Bill. I feel You're motivated. I feel authentically motivated. Right on. To get up and maybe go pee after this. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'll make myself an egg salad sandwich. <laughs> Unwrap it carefully. Right. Um, okay. Well, uh, I'm really glad that we got to uh, be motivated today. Same. And I'm even more glad that we both got to say dad ass. Dad Me and Eve, you're always welcome at our apartment. And thank you. And same for you. Come over to me and Nikki's anytime you want. Lovely. This has been the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And we will talk to you next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>